careful, I said. All right, shouted. We can't afford to drop this. It wasn't so much that the sheet of wallboard Maxie, Paul, and I were holding up was so expensive it couldn't be replaced. It was more that hauling another heavy sheet up here in the attic of my massive Victorian home and guest house would be enormously difficult. Renovating the attic into a bedroom for my 10-year-old daughter, Melissa, during breaks from my duties as hostess and overall ringleader of the house at 123 Seafront Avenue, had seemed like a good idea when I'd come up with it in April. It would give Liz a little privacy from the flow of guests in the house and would free up another bedroom downstairs to rent out, thus generating more income. It had seemed like a practical and logical idea in April. Now, it was July on the New Jersey shore, and the attic was not yet air-conditioned. Heat, in case you haven't heard, rises. It was about 15,000 degrees up here, even with the windows open. Sometimes my creative instincts overcome my common sense. I really should watch out for that. You can't afford to drop it, Maxie answered. It's not our money. No, it's not, I agreed. But you were in favor of this plan and practically forced me into it. So if you don't want the construction to go on indefinitely, it wouldn't matter to me, Maxie cut me off. I've got nothing but time. That was true. Paul and Maxie were going to stay in the house for a very long time. They were dead. Perhaps I should explain. Paul Harrison and Maxie Malone had both died in my house, a little less than a year before Melissa and I moved in. They'd been murdered, and although there's quite a story involved with that, it's been told elsewhere at length. Suffice it to say, they seem bound to my property, and I was, in essence, stuck with them. When I finalized my divorce from Melissa's father, whom I charitably call the swine, I bought this great big old house, knowing it was in need of repairs in pretty much every room. But I didn't know it was haunted. It wasn't until a rather questionable accident gave me a massive headache and the ability to communicate with my two non-paying boarders that I gained that information. When I discovered my mother and my daughter had actually been able to see them all along, I had been relieved that I wasn't going insane. But not that pleased Mom and Melissa had been keeping their abilities from me all those years. Turns out that though most living people can't see ghosts, obviously, most of the females in my family can. I was the rare exception, until recently. Go figure. My mother and Melissa could see pretty much every ghost they encountered, and my abilities were developing, slowly. Anyway, today, I had an almost full roster of guests downstairs, a heavy sheet of wallboard I was trying to attach to the studs on a slant, and I was putting my resident ghosts to work hanging drywall. Just a couple seconds longer, I told the ghosts, as I secured this particular sheet in place with my cordless drill. Maxie seemed not to be exerting any energy at all, but Paul was visibly flagging. His ability to interact with physical objects was improving, but he was not able to do it as well as Maxie. 
There don't seem to be any rules regarding ghosts. It's not like they all have the same abilities, apparently. Paul tells me that some ghosts can roam freely, and I've seen that happen. But the two of them couldn't leave my property. They didn't know why. And we haven't been able to figure out why some dead people show up as ghosts and others don't. The whole unfinished business thing is a good theory, but there seem to be a ton of exceptions. Frankly, the whole afterlife didn't seem very well organized, in my opinion.